The short game is listener-supported on Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and join us on our Discord, head to theshortgame.net or patreon.com slash theshortgame. Welcome back to The Short Game, a show about short video games and games that respect your time. I'm your host, Shane Kelly, and I'm joined by three wonderful co-hosts this week. First is our Seattle-based podcast and radio producer, Mark Bramhill. Mark is the creator of the excellent podcast, Welcome to Macintosh, which I love very much, uh, a podcast about Apple and its impact on our culture. He's also the creator of the emoji person in lotus position, a.k.a. the yoga emoji, (laughs) and a producer for Bird Note, a daily radio program about birds. Hi, Mark. Hey, Shane. Uh, Glad to be back. You didn't mention the the very most important thing about Mark, which is that he occasionally guests on our Bird Week episodes and is our (laughs) bird correspondent. Thank you, Mark. Bird, yes. bird and apple correspondent. It's yes. That. <laughs> it seems like uh, it seems like we have some kind of theme there, like apple, bird. We like need like a C thing to keep going going through the, the <laughs> alphabet. We also have a first time guest uh, on the show uh, this week. We have my fellow Houstonian Anna de los Angeles. Uh, Anna is a freelance artist and designer, uh, and does marketing and community coordination for Coral Sword a local games cafe and one of my favorite places to be. Hi, Anna. Aw, thanks, Shane. Hi, this is my first ever podcast recording, so I'm very honored to be invited on this to talk about Animal Crossing. That's so exciting. Yeah, (laughs) I am super excited to talk about Animal Crossing. And as usual, we are also joined by my brother uh, and identical twin, Reagan Kelly. Howdy, y'all. Uh, I'm basically just here to listen and ask questions since I haven't played the new Animal Crossing. So that's why we have these wonderful guests to cover <laughs> for me. <laughs> Reagan um, loves games like this, uh, but I think he only really likes games that have romance. And because this game has no romance in it, I think he he finds it to be... Uh, well, what would you say? Would you say that's accurate, Reagan? Like, you only, <laughs> only love... If I can't date the ducks, I don't want... The game. <laughs> Not with that That's attitude. <laughs> well, we'll be getting into all of our favorite ducks uh, <laughs> once we start discussing some of the attributes and aspects of this wonderful, amazing game. But first, let's talk a little bit about why we are covering this. So first, I want to mention that the short game has a Patreon. And through that Patreon, we have a lot of our wonderful listeners participating in a Discord where we're able to greet each other and chat about what's going on in this uh, wild world uh, that we're experiencing right now. And this episode really in particular bubbled up from that Patreon because... Because it was all anyone was talking about. The, it was really the only thing that anyone was talking about. <laughs> I wasn't really planning to even play this game because usually I don't have room in my life for a 100-hour um, island design simulator. The short game. <laughs> yeah, this is the short game. We talk about games that are short, usually that you can finish in like you know 10 hours or less. So... so it's a little different that we're talking about Animal Crossing on this show. Um, so first off, I do want to plug that Patreon. If you want to participate in discussion around uh, this game or the other games that we First, cover. you just need to get our friend code 
And then we need to open the gates on our Discord. And then you need to go to your local airport and speak to the uh, what the is dodo. the dodo yeah. and mm-hmm. get on the flight to the short game Discord. Yes. Uh, at the end of the episode, we'll be giving out the dodo code for the Discord. And if you try and get into the Discord um, and you can't, it's probably because I had my phone out. Um, so <laughs> it, it'll it'll get blocked at that and time. And remember, so you have to just, wait for everyone to join separately, individually, on a three-minute loading screen before you can also join. Mm-hmm. And then yes, everybody absolutely. Else Ask a parent's permission also. Mm-hmm. And once you're connected with our Discord, we can send each other letters. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, with, uh, with that digression into uh, the beautiful networking code that Nintendo puts out consistently and has for <laughs> years and years. Let's talk about why this game right now. Um, I think this is a, an odd situation we're all in. We're recording this for those of you who may be listening in the distant future. Uh, when the world has been pieced back together, we are recording this during the early days of the COVID-19 crisis. So is this really this the early is days, a very different time? Uh, yeah. all of us. It, I think that's the pretty realistic view, yeah. 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 Okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, taking the long view. Um, and different times sometimes mean we have a different relationship to games. Uh, and for me personally, that's true. That I'm looking for different things in games right now than I am normally. We, we did recently put out a kind of a quick episode on what we called comfort food games, and this kind of came up a little bit during that time. Um, so why are we covering something right now that you can put a literally unlimited amount of time into on the short game? Um, we like to talk on this show about how games fit into your life. Uh, and for me, as a as a busy person who has a, a job and stuff, uh, usually that means I'm, I'm looking for the short stuff that I can kind of squeeze in. But sometimes my relationship to games changes. I never expected... Uh, it to be like this, and here I am at, in a moment where all I all I want is the the calm and predictability and kind of gentle progression of an Animal Crossing game. So, how how is this game fitting into your survival and coping mechanisms right now, guys? Uh, let's start with Anna. So I think it's really interesting that you mentioned that you didn't think this would become such a big deal for you. I find that I'm hearing a lot of people are saying the same thing, like people who don't normally play games like Animal Crossing are saying, you know, they just got it because everyone else was playing it and it's all they hear about anywhere they go on the internet. And then they fall into the deep, deep hole of Nook Inc's loans and (laughs) island life and island getaway (laughs) and island hopping and, um. For me, it's, you know, I've never actually played Animal Crossing, but I've been told time and time again that it's something I would really enjoy. Um, I picked up Pocket Camp whenever it came out, and I thought, you know, this is really cute, and people are right. I, I like things that are cute, so this fits in pretty well. And when I started playing the game, you know, it, <laughs> I'll be honest, it like became my entire life. Um, and, it, you know, yeah, it's the, the whole slow process of it is for me pretty alluring because I like having to wait you know a whole day for 
a, bu a building to go up or something like that. Um, I have a couple of friends who do the whole time traveling thing. Um, but I, I told them, I was like, I need, it's my first time playing Animal Crossing and I need it to be slow because I'll be honest, it like gives me a reason to get up every morning <laughs> when it's like, oh man, today my, my Nook story is going to be up or today my Able Sisters is going up. That's fun. Hop out of bed. <laughs> yeah. Go to see what's new in town. My new neighbors are moving in. So that's kind of how it's fitting in. Um, I like, I think I'm finally coming out of the like deep hole where I'm like, having to play it for pretty much the entire day and now i'm like i can take it more at a you know manageable pace <laughs> aka i beat the game so <laughs> I, I defeated i was shocked boss. to learn that this game even had credits actually yeah, yeah what is what counts as beating the game in this context i really don't even know what that would mean the thing is like is that a spoiler to say but i, I don't feel think like so. it okay <laughs> So basically, um, I wasn't expecting the credits to roll this morning, but um, I guess the final boss, quote unquote, is inviting KK Slider, um, internationally renowned musician. Singing dog, yeah. Singing dog, yeah, that's the, that's the singing dog you see everywhere. <laughs> um, to the island, and then he holds a little concert. And then when the little concert happens, the credits start to roll. And I was like, oh my God, did I beat the game? <laughs> <laughs> And then after that, it's just kind of like a sandbox mode where uh, Nook, Tom Nook is even like, uh, I don't really have anything for you to do, so I'll just let you do whatever you want. Then <laughs> it's New Game Plus. Yeah, <laughs> sandbox <laughs> mode. And that's what I really like about Animal Crossing is it it's this game that has an open-ended, self-directed set of goals. I have played lots of games that kind of have that. Um, and... They're, none of them are games I've really been able to discuss on this show. So, for example, uh, I got really super deep into No Man's Sky, which, and I also got super into Minecraft as well, like back in the day. So, uh, and these are both games where you're, you know, you're able to just have uh, this continual progression. Um, something I, I read recently, I, I found this article, um, it was on Polygon. Uh, about why people are connecting with this game right now. And it brings up this idea, I used the term earlier, gentle progression. And I just want to give a, a little quote from this. Um, it says, I'd love it if we could stop referring to the work people put into the games designed this way, they're referring to games of, uh, of this type, as grind, and start calling it a more accurate term, gentle progression. Games that feature gentle progression give us a sense of progress and achievability, teaching us that putting in a little work consistently while taking things one step at a time can give us fantastic results. It's a good life lesson, as well as a way to calm yourself and others achieved through game design. Yeah. And that's actually why this is the kind of game I play a lot of times to relax. If we're playing something for the show uh, and it's like something intense with like, button mashing action like we did Katana Zero recently uh, I would find myself going and playing some No Man's Sky uh, you know to wind down after that so this is truly a wind down game for me uh, how's it fitting for you Mark you, Mark and I were really into pocket camp for a little while <laughs> yeah um, so I definitely uh, knew I was going to be playing a lot of this game uh, I mean, over a year ago uh, Animal Crossing was 
my favorite game growing up. Uh, I think I've played all the main versions of the game um, from the GameCube to the DS, uh, more recent are the Wii, um, and sunk ungodly numbers of hours into those. Um, <laughs> which, especially as a child, uh, you are free to do. You don't have anything mm-hmm. better to be doing. <laughs> so, uh, but uh, when I knew that one was being made for the Switch and I heard about it, um, even before I had a Switch, it was like, if I don't have one by then, I am buying it for this game. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and uh, it's funny that the game was actually delayed something like six months of when it was supposed to come out. Mm, uh, they were waiting back. for the virus. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> they could not have they could not have had it come out at a better time um, in that, you know, I knew I was going to love this game and spend a lot of time playing it. Um But I didn't anticipate it being something where that gentle progression, that sort of, you know, relaxingness of it would be so needed and that it really uh, would fit in perfectly to, it seems like so many people's lives Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. that it's uh, a really wonderful escape that like the whole concept of this one especially is like you're escaping to this uh, deserted island and um, the like it really is the perfect game for this moment that we're in. I had this moment when I first started up the game um, where I had actually just been like not able to sleep because I was reading the news because that's a smart thing to do. <laughs> and I booted up the game and this this intro video plays where it's offering, showing you the allure of getaway island life. Oh, like yeah. kind of deserted island. You don't have to worry about anything. You can start from scratch. And it really hit me different in a way that I don't think it would have without, you know, everything going on in the world. So I thought that was pretty interesting. And I, I always wonder if other people had a similar reaction where it was like, this is so great compared Do to Do you remember else. what it's like to go outdoors? <laughs> <laughs> to feel the sun on your face? I actually had a, a similar reaction and, and it hit for me because um, I this was going to be my vacation week. Like I would literally, I was literally going to be in a resort in Mexico right now. And that was all canceled. Wow. Sorry, um, buddy. And so, uh, give me a little, give me a little, little taste of that. Uh, <laughs> taste of that back. Just build the resort that you were going to stay at. That's the idea. Yeah. <laughs> Trying to build the most beautiful island getaway I can. And I'm really enjoying that, uh, design aspect of it more than I, more than I remembered from previous games. I, I want to talk a little bit about the history of Animal Crossing as a series. Yeah. Uh, cause I'd like to check with each of you guys where you have dipped in and out. For me personally, I did not get to play the very first Animal Crossing, which uh, Animal Crossing 1 was a release initially for the Nintendo 64 in Japan that they then ported. It was a late release for N64. Wasn't it N64DD, the the like magnetic disk drive system for the, the 64? Yes, it was, I believe it used the disk drive and it was Japan only. Yeah, and that, then, that never uh, came out here. So shortly thereafter, the they here. ported it to the GameCube. And Mark, I think you were saying you played that GameCube version. Yeah, um, I remember playing that as a kid um, with a number of friends and uh, I got just so, so into it. Um, And uh, I can remember just spending hours sitting on the couch, just playing, (laughs) playing that one. And 
thinking it was just the most fun thing ever. Uh, trying to catch all the fish, being yeah. really excited when I caught a coelacanth. Um, uh, I, I actually, I remember um, at one point then um, uh, there was a like a power surge or whatever right after I had caught my first one. And oh, I was no. just devastated. Uh, <laughs> uh, but no, I, oh, and no. it was, uh, it was a really fun game that, you know, uh, especially with at the, the time late- it was very different. Yeah. From it, a lot of, this is this, we're talking about 2000, this game, especially when you're looking at things that are like console games, there just weren't that many games out there that had even the kind of basically persistent world that this game had. And, and one of the big selling features of the game at, at the time um, are a lot of the same things that carry through to today. So I, I want to, as we go here, I want to talk a little bit about what makes an Animal Crossing game. So one of the things that that very first game had uh, was a real-time clock. And I think even on the N64, they achieved that with like a, a special chip in the cartridge or something like that. But uh, uh, the this was a game that like, things went on even while you weren't playing it and you'd turn it on and you would uh, you know it would be if it was nighttime where you are it would be nighttime in the game and different things would be happening in your town at different times and that's kind of carried through Um, and they had for that reason that introduced into the game this whole idea of like the time traveling shame on you time travelers wrong way to play the game you're you're having fun the wrong way normally time traveling sounds extremely cool and good but in this case maybe not so much um so yeah you could adjust the time on your on your console or things like that um another thing that uh has carried through is this idea of like a persistent world and the ability to kind of design your space which i don't know what when the sims came out but it was right, basically right the same, same year. I think it came out in 2000, 2001. Yeah. Very, very close together. Yeah, so so both really kind of converging on this same idea of like building your own living space as something that's a, a fun game design. And uh, I mean, that is carried through. There's so many games today uh, that people play that have this same kind of tech in it, there. It feels a bit like every single phone game with, you know, exploitative oh, yeah. gotcha mechanics and whatnot has some kind of a... Uh, system whereby you collect things to design your house or clothes or, uh, you know, whatever it is that the game is sort of themed around. Right, there's a lot of that in in mobile today. And, you know, there's a game out there that I'm, I actually have really come around on it. I, I, uh, at first I was skeptical, but having, having watched my wife play Covet on the iPhone. Covet is a, um, uh, design game or like a like a it's hard to even explain but basically you're collecting clothes and making outfits Mm. and uh it's a social game like you you get into groups and you can use each other's clothes and you make these like um design houses uh and you vote on whose outfit is best and you get get points based on your ranking um but like the idea of collecting and designing your character and your and your clothes and your outfits actually goes all the way back in this game too, and it's so well implemented in the in the latest one. I, I wanted to keep running through the different versions of Animal Crossing before I get too far into what it is today. I started playing with Wild Wild World. I'm trying to pronounce not Wide World, but Wild World, uh, which was a 2005 Nintendo DS game. This was the second Animal Crossing. 
And that's the only other one I have played with the exception of Pocket Camp, this sort of a spinoff. Where did the Wii one come in? That was uh, City Folk, uh, which was in 2008. I think City Folk was pretty widely agreed to be uh, a bit of a miss in, you know, it was it was a fine game, um, but it did not have the same spark, I think, that the other ones did. Um, it was definitely the least favorably received of the Animal Crossing main series. Um, it didn't introduce much in the way of new mechanics or the ones that it did, people weren't that into. Um, and I think... Uh, but there it did have this idea of like yeah. a city for you to go to, and that it was did, really yeah. neat. Yeah, yeah, um, and then there's New Leaf. Did anybody here play New Leaf? I don't know very much at all about New Leaf. I'm mixing them I, up. Was that was only the 3DS? 3DS? Okay, yeah. So 3DS. I I played some of that one. Um, I initially bought it thinking uh, that my wife would play it because there was a time where she was uh, looking for something to do, and and uh, I thought, hey, this seems like something she'd probably enjoy based on other games she's liked. So I bought her a copy. And, uh, you know, here you go. And she never even opened it. So um, <laughs> I, uh, I I did play it myself some, um, but I don't think I got very far with it. Uh, I think it was just like at the time, the 3DS was something that I mostly just got out to play RPGs. And uh, I guess while this, you know, you could argue that this is an RPG, I, I think it sort of wasn't scratching that itch for me. So I didn't really go back to it very mm-hmm. often. And I think all of my plants withered and died and all of my villagers <laughs> moved away. And mm-hmm. uh, when I open it up now, it's just a bunch of dry bones sitting in a pile. It's like, <laughs> an angry well, you can donate those to the museum. Around. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I actually, uh, I played this one as well, um, but I came to it super late um, because I personally never had a 3DS. Um, I didn't have like an actual console of any kind between the Wii and then getting the Switch uh, last fall. Um, But I realized when um, I heard that uh, New Horizons was going to be made for the Switch um, and thinking, oh, that'll be so cool and it'll be a year before that's out. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Then I realized that uh, my girlfriend has a 3DS and a copy of New Leaf uh, that are just sitting on a shelf, not being used. Um, and she let me uh, play that. And last summer I sank a ton of time <laughs> into playing that winter. Nobody else was playing uh, New Leaf uh, at that point, but uh, it was really fun and exciting to revisit and see the ways that you're the... uh, In that one, they introduced this thing where you are the mayor of the town, and so you're able to enact lots of infrastructure and customize the space in a way that was... felt really refreshing and like a huge improvement over... You know, in the first one, you get a randomly generated town and you are stuck with it. You have nothing that you can do to change it. Um, You can customize your house, but um, the four houses are in one little courtyard that you don't get to choose anything about. Um, And there's just a lot of limitations. Um, And each one has introduced flexibility. And with New Leaf, I think it was really exciting that, oh, I can build new shops I can choose where they go um, and I think uh, it felt like wow this is crazy how much better this is than the original one Um, it was also in New Leaf uh, where because you were mayor they introduced 
this uh, character to be your assistant uh, mm-hmm. as the mayor, and that is Isabel. And Isabel has kind of gone on to be the new face of Animal Crossing. I think in the original games, Tom Nook, who you know, kind of was the was everything to the game. He was your he, he was the progression. He was the sh- he, he ran the shop and everything. Uh, He's the Bowser smartly, of Animal Crossing. Then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, pretty accurate. He, he kind of gates your progression. But um, Isabel uh, is there to kind of further your progression and and help you and uh, is super cute, is just a super, super cute design. Uh, and I think for that reason, Isabel is the new face of Animal Crossing and has been become the... Animal Crossing character that made it into Smash Brothers. And Can you imagine is... if Tom Nook was in Smash instead of Isabel? <laughs> I, can't. I cannot. Somehow I cannot. <laughs> yeah, and in Mario Kart uh, as well. Um, yeah, it's she is just instantly became like this is the Animal Crossing character. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it could have been any of them in uh, in in Smash and Animal Crossing. It could have been KK Slider. Uh, but Which kind of would have made sense for Mario Kart. Yeah, yeah. But uh, you know, having this little whatever kind of what, what kind of dog is she even? Like a poodle? I think she's supposed to be a, a golden retriever. You think? Or With both? That little fluffy bun. I'm gonna okay. Google it. She she could be a golden doodle, I think. Yeah. Why not? She looks both? like a golden doodle. Uh, and of course, we'll talk a little bit more about characters as we go. But uh, I, I do think. Ah. That's an innovation. Isabel is a nearsighted, bright yellow dog who resembles resembles a Shih Tzu, uh, which her Japanese name Shizu or Shizue is a play on. So maybe she's a Shih Tzu. Oh, interesting. That oh. makes sense to me. Yeah, I guess they do. Well, all, they do usually have the little like ponytail when they're groomed. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, here's to you, Isabel. So as we've, I, I'm, I'm, I don't even really think we need to talk too much about most of these spin-off games. Nah. Uh, because mostly they haven't been super well received. Um, Happy Home Designer has some fans. I, I don't know that much about it. Uh, Me neither. Uh, <laughs> Amiibo Festival wasn't super well received. Uh, and then there's Pocket Camp, which was okay, but it is still, it's, it's Nintendo trying to figure out how to make money on a mobile game. Mm-hmm. Uh, which doesn't feel super Animal Crossing to me. No. Right. Well, Pocket Camp was actually the first, I guess, Animal Crossing quote unquote game that I played. Um, and I played it for a little bit when it came out in 2017 and, you know, just kind of fell off of it as time went on. And then I actually picked it back up um, in the month before. New Horizons released because I was kind of feeling that like I need Animal Crossing. It looks like so much fun, but it's not out. So I'm just going to re-download Pocket Camp and see what happens and kind of just fell deep, deep into that hole again. Um, And especially when I learned that there were going to be kind of like crossover items, I actually really liked it in that like little month that I played because it's sort of, for me, who's never played any other Animal Crossing, it kind of introduced me to a lot of characters that I otherwise wouldn't really know about. Um, and it got me excited when I later on find these animals in random islands in New Horizons, because I was like, hey, I actually know who that is. I think one of the things I like the most about what the way that Nintendo has managed the Animal Crossing series is that they've got all these 
sort of persistent characters. And all the characters are pretty light, you know, but they, they have the basic personality types and everything. Mm-hmm. But if you've played one Animal Crossing game and you go and play another one, there is a better than average chance that you're going to run into a villager that you encountered in one of the other games. And it kind of makes it feel like these things are all connected more than they might otherwise seem, that there's a sort of a, a you know shared world here. Um, and it, you know, people, people like visiting their friends. There's no, particularly right now, there is nothing more powerful <laughs> than, than wanting to visit your friends. And not only is, is like every Animal Crossing game kind of about every day dipping into the game to visit your friends, uh, if they are friends that you remember from a game you might have literally played when you were a child and here they are again, then suddenly that's like, that's a whole new level of that. So I really love that. Totally about how, how they've got a They've got a large cast. Everybody ends up with slightly different selection of villagers. So you can say, oh, you know, I, I have so-and-so in my game. Oh, I have this other, other character in my game. Uh, it kind of provides that level of like, I mean, it's not quite like Pokemon or anything, but it's like you, you know, who, who's got which villagers is a is a thing to mm-hmm. to constantly talk about with other people, and uh, and you know, ooh, I remember this character from from when I played the 3DS game. I really hope they show up in my town, that kind of thing. And that kind of connection with the characters is one of the hallmarks of the game, but also connecting with other players is something that even all the way back to the very original version is something that is uh, a a consistent part of these Animal Crossing games. Even in the uh, GameCube version, you could take your memory card and there was a special memory card that would ship with the GameCube version. And you could take it to a friend's house who had the game and you could plug it into their console and you could trade some, you could visit each other's island, you could trade things and villagers would move from your island to their island and vice versa uh, when you did that. So, um, that is one of the places where I think they've come the farthest because we don't have to physically hand off memory cards anymore, but it is still, uh, <laughs> given our jokes at the start, mm-hmm. one of the places where uh, I am prepared to give Nintendo a bit of a pass on their mm-hmm. um, internet stuff. Uh it's just a very Nintendo networking system. N- You're going to be using friend codes. Every single thing that Nintendo does when it comes to online is with the assumption that every single player is, you know, every every online interaction is potentially happening between, uh, you know, a five-year-old and a 45-year-old pederast. So every, <laughs> every single interaction has to be, like, mediated and carefully designed mm-hmm. to avoid any situations that would put people or you know put children at risk or create embarrassing situations for Nintendo. Um, so yeah, I, I get it. I, I don't think I give them a pass on it though. Like there's every other platform in the world has figured out how to do things like this, even with games that mm-hmm. aren't that different from this, uh, without constantly putting up barriers that seem completely arbitrary. Like. I, like mm-hmm. like the thing about if you're in a menu, somebody can't join your game. Like what? Why on earth would that be a, a thing, right? Some of this I imagine might get patched out with time. They do send, t- tend to support these games for a really long time. But like, I don't know. A lot of this is a by design way of thinking that Nintendo has about online interactions that is just, I, I mean, I don't give them a pass about it. It's extremely conservative, I think, in terms of yeah. what they want people to be able to do. Right. So. I understand why they do it this way, but and 
I gotta say, having played all the previous versions of the main game, uh, this is significantly better than any of those, which uh, more just speaks to how bad the, the previous oh, wow. games were. Yeah. Um, where you you had to have a really long uh, string of letters and numbers to be able to visit each time, I think, if, I, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, oh my local God. Local multiplayer worked okay on the DS. Um, but if you wanted to do anything online, it was almost next to unusable. Um, and the fact that there are long loading screens and lots of menus to choose from, and you can't do that much uh, with the thing, and you have to actually be messaging with your friend outside of the platform to let them know, this is me, I'm visiting your island. Yeah. Uh, like, it's very frustrating, and I think Nintendo still could have done a better job, but uh, my my expectations are very low. I'll say that. Yeah. <laughs> so... I mean, if you the know, if I've added, if two people have added each other mutually to their friends lists, there's there should be no reason to, I mean, do almost any of the things that Nintendo does. Like once once that opt in has happened on both sides, like why bother with any of this stuff? It just doesn't make much sense to me. But I guess you know, I'm sure they have their reasons. But I think that we, with things like the Dodo codes, we can see them moving in the right direction, making it easy to, uh, you know, use outside connection systems mm-hmm. like you know discords or uh text messaging or twitter to announce that your island is ready for visitors and things like that um i don't want to dwell too much on how this game is a little weird on the internet <laughs> i want to talk about the <laughs> core of the game that is super awesome and amazing and better than any previous version which is uh just just how customizable the game is and how the game really uh, opens up to you slowly with more and more and more ways to uh, build your perfect island experience. Uh, You have a lot of new things you can do, like down to the level of uh, terraforming your island. And there's also, it feels to me like a much better and broader system for collectibles than we've ever had before. I'm almost allergic to collectibles in video games. Like if I see that a game wants me to start collecting things, I I can tell that it really does not respect my time. But this is yet again, something where I give animal crossing a total pass on. I will collect all the shit. Uh, How are you enjoying those eggs then, huh, Shane? <laughs> I have gone all in on the Easter event. This is a very polarizing Sorry, that, event. Let's you mean talk Bunny about Day. It. Bunny Day. Yeah. Bunny Day. Yes, thank you. There is no Easter in Animal Crossing. There is only Bunny Day. Okay, so, Anna, what is Bunny Day? Bunny Day? I mean, it's Easter. And this, <laughs> this um, you know, vaguely horrifying rabbit shows Absolutely up. horrifying. Very horrifying rabbit shows up. So, you know, kind of hopping around your island and tells you that he's hidden eggs all over the place in the rocks, in the ground, in the water, in the sky, in the trees, literally everywhere. Um, and You're breathing the eggs. Yeah, <laughs> he's really yeah, messing with much. the local ecosystems. And if you, yeah, you don't invasive. find them before they start going bad, the whole <laughs> island is going to smell terrible. <laughs> <laughs> and you basically have to collect these eggs and craft recipes that are given to you um, by your neighbors or by the bunny himself or by um, airdrop. <laughs> <laughs> 
by way of shooting down balloons from the sky that give you recipes. And um, on Bunny Day, which is April 12th, he'll show up. And if you have all of the items that are uh, part of the event, then you get a special prize. And I don't know what the special prize is, but I kind of wonder if it's going to be worth it. I am really, uh, I'm really intrigued by that. So one of the nice things about the fact that these games have sort of persistent real-time clock-based, uh, you know, stuff is that they can do holiday events and activities. Your, you know, your island or what have you can change throughout the year. Um, but I think that doing these big uh, event-style uh, things like this is is somewhat new to this particular one. Like I know that in the previous games they would have a holiday if things happen, but it would be just specifically on that particular holiday. It wouldn't be like mm-hmm. here's a whole week of bunny eggs. Um, yes, which, uh, you're either actually there or you're is not for those holidays. Which events. it's it's pretty. Uh, I would say especially it's a problem for a kid playing the game where. Jingle the reindeer is there only on Christmas or Christmas Eve or whatever. Uh, and so, sorry, family, I really need to collect all this furniture right now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I can't spend this time with you on this day, or I'm going to throw a fit because uh, I want this special furniture that is kind of ugly. I, whatever. It's something where it's like, <laughs> I that, think we're this, hearing this the story is, here, actually. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is uh, very much from uh, my past. Um, but the. <laughs> the then the fact that it is spread out over time, that you can do it a little bit each day rather than um, all at once. And I don't know if every holiday is going to be like this or just Bunny Day, mm. um, but I think that that is uh, a smart change overall, especially for um, time-constrained players, uh, that the game can be, you know, you play for 10 minutes, 30 minutes a day or so, and... That's fine. Um, as opposed to, if you want to get all this themed furniture, you have to sink in like six hours on a holiday. <laughs> it, I mean, it is a game that is a hundred percent in terms of the gameplay about collecting. Right? That you are collecting fish. You're collecting fossils. You're collecting. Uh, you want all the fruit. You want all of the clothes and decorations for your house. Um, and and then it's about attractively displaying those collections and this is something not a lot of games are about this or like can successfully pull this off i don't think the previous ones have let you do this this game lets you customize the island a lot more by placing objects outside things like that so you can you can do pathways and you can do um like i've got a lawnmower in my yard and i like to push (laughs) it around like i'm mowing the lawn Um, and yeah, so so I mean, this is a this is a game that gives you all of these cool ways to um, build your space and interact with it, um, and and then the the neighbors on you know collecting you're even collecting the villagers to some extent. Your island isn't complete until you have all these houses filled and, and villagers moved in, and you've harassed out the ones that you don't like. <laughs> um, which, by the way, any tips on how to get rid of villagers that you don't like? I get this guy named Billy. And uh, I just dis I just dislike Billy a lot. He's a goat. He's the um, he's the jock personality type. Mm-hmm. So he's always talking about working out. So uh, I've seen gone. a multiple multitude of ways that people have bullied villagers mm-hmm. out, and they're all hilarious. Um, <laughs> I've seen people fence their neighbors in so that they can't 
get out of their house basically and brilliant i've seen people you know do the the old-fashioned hit them with a net until they get upset and leave um but i think that you know (laughs) the fencing your neighbors in and putting signs outside their house saying go away or sending them rude mail i think is really funny (laughs) and a little sad but still really funny um because I, i think there's two ways right there's you know like i said the physical harassment with the net and then the the emotional harassment or neglect by not talking to them because mm. they can't get out of their house. Mm, yeah. Those are the two ways that I know about. I will be employing both of these strategies. And I'm totally not looking into this because I want to bully someone out. <laughs> there are there are all these different personality types and I think I think the jock personality type is just the one that uh, my island will not support. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, there is no room for that in the ecosystem. Yeah. Lazy, <laughs> normal, peppy, jock, cranky, and snooty, and new in new in in the, the newest games, sisterly, smug, and something called Otona, whatever that means. <laughs> this is Japanese. So um, I want an island that is nothing but lazy people. And so I will be (laughs) bullying everyone else out. Uh, But it's also like there's just a truly enormous amount of dialogue in this. They're responsive to like uh, things that are going on around them or Mm -hmm. they'll remember people that have visited your island and talk about them or they'll see that you got stung by a wasp and they'll make fun (laughs) of you for it. Uh, They'll remember items that you've given them and thank you. Um, there, and there's just a ton, a ton of dialogue in this game. It really is a, like a translation and localization triumph. Yeah, a lot of funny writing too. They did a great <laughs> job localizing the, the villagers' names as well. They, uh, they all have, almost all of them have names like like Billy the Billy Goat. Obviously, it's like they've done a good job of like doing uh, culturally appropriate sort of. Uh, Clever names. Yeah, yeah. Names that, because all of them have, uh, you know, Billy's uh, Japanese name is uh, Ashindo. Like, I don't know. That's probably a pun in Japanese. I don't know what it means. Um, But, like, they decided to rename him Billy for the the American version, which, you know, he's a goat. And maybe he's, like, I don't know, kind of a jockey guy. It sort of sounds like a fit for the name. And and all of the, the characters that I've seen have names that sort of fit like that. Even if they're not necessarily puns, they just sort of they put a lot of care into sort of designing the personalities and names and, and everything of these characters so that they feel like little, little sort of almost people. Does anybody have any favorite villagers that they want to talk about? This isn't my personal favorite in terms of like, would I want this villager on my island? But I've seen on my friend's islands, this horse whose name is Renee, where the nay is spelled like the neighing (laughs) of a horse. So just on the topic of names, I think that one is kind of like, yeah, that's pretty peak. good. <laughs> but my, oh my favorite gosh. villagers, I'm actually really excited because I just finally was able to invite Bones to live on my mm. island. And Bones is this cute little dog. And I love him because he reminds me of my own dog. Aw. So. He does look like I, your dog. Guys, you have right? to really see her dog right? at some point. I just looked him up and he's got that big circle around his eye, just like just like your dog. Exactly. So my dog is a white dog with black and white dog um, with a like a patch on his um, on his eye. And Bones has this and Bones has like a little pink right around where his nose is. And so does Chewy. And that just makes me so happy. (laughs) So I, I 
absolutely had to have bones on my island and um, I was able to basically invite him using an amiibo and just sort of cajole him into moving into my island. And this morning I finally succeeded. Okay, you have to explain so. the amiibo thing. Like how do amiibo work? With, I know I know that this game does like work with amiibo in some way. And I know there are a lot of Animal Crossing amiibo, but I don't really know what mm -hmm. they do. So the amiibos in this game um, basically are a means for you to invite, personally invite an animal or villager to your island and have them stay on your campsite. Um, and the campsite is an area that um, Tom Nook asks you to build as a way to try and entice more people to live on your island. Um, so when you have an amiibo, you get to choose who stays in the campsite, basically. And then if you use an amiibo, it doesn't quite work like in the game where they show up and you just are able to invite them to live on your island right away. With the amiibo, you have to invite them for three days in a row. Um, and they ask you to craft specific furniture for them over the course of those three days and then on the third day after you craft the furniture they ask for they're like oh man it would be so nice if i could just craft furniture here with you permanently and then that's when you can you know pop the question do you want to come, <laughs> come live in my island <laughs> so that's how that works Aww. yeah and I actually think that was an interesting mechanic, just the camp, the idea of a campsite in general. Um, and I feel like maybe that's something that's a little bit of an Easter egg from Pocket Camp because that whole game is like, oh, you're building mm -hmm. a campsite and now here's a campsite on New Horizons. There was a campsite in um, New Leaf as well, which had the same function of people would, or villager, potential villagers would visit and you could choose to try and convince them to stay on your island or to oh, stay cool. in your town. Um, but you couldn't specifically invite any character from the game. It would just be randomly showing up and mm -hmm. uh, which still was an improvement in terms of, oh, this is great. I get to kind of have a thumbs up, thumbs down approval on who moves into my town. Um, mm -hmm. As opposed to other games where a villager would move in and would be like, okay, this is who I have, I guess. <laughs> Do you uh, guys have any villagers that have moved in that you don't like? Well, I got to talk about the one I love the most first, because I just Good. have to tell you <laughs> about the beautiful uh, Frida, who was one of my initial villagers. Frida is <laughs> a brown sheep uh, whose fleece uh, yeah. is made out of French She's fries. She's one that looks like a hamburger, right? Yes, and her <laughs> her, oh. uh, her head looks like a hamburger, and her face looks like a potato. <laughs> <laughs> this is a look, and she's yeah, and her her legs look like hot dogs with ketchup and mustard on. Oh them. my gosh, what and an icon! Yes, Frida is amazing, and I will never let her leave my island. Um, <laughs> she kind of has the sisterly personality type. Uh, which means that she is always sticking up for you and uh, encouraging you. So she's very nice to have around. Uh, and she fills her house with uh, restaurant and food-themed items, which is really adorable. So I absolutely love Frida. I already told you the... Oh, and her Japanese name, I'm looking at her on the wiki here because I had to check some things. Her Japanese name is Wendy, which is a play on Wendy's, which is oh my, uh, my favorite burgers. That's funny that they couldn't carry that over into the U.S. version. I wonder if they would have gotten in trouble with Wendy's. <laughs> Maybe. Oh, uh, yeah. I bet Wendy's would have been very happy to be included in Animal Crossing. <laughs> that, that's some real good viral marketing right now. 
but uh, maybe they don't want to be represented by a weird, obese-looking... What is she? Like a dog or seal? Reagan, she's not obese. She's she is a sheep, sheep clearly. Oh, sheep, oh, those are With horns. ketchup and mustard oh, horns. Oh, 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 oh. Yes, okay. <laughs> I just thought, yeah. And she is no more obese than any of these other chunky animals that live on these islands. Reagan, I will defend... I'll defend my love, Frida. Just because she is made of fast food doesn't mean she is obese. All right, apologies. (laughs) Apologies to Frida. So, Mark, did you have any favorite or most not favorite villagers? Uh, My favorite in my town is definitely uh, Poppy the squirrel. She's very cute, uh, very friendly. Yeah, so uh, I'm very glad to have her in my town. Most of the others I'm somewhat indifferent on. then uh there's oh what's his name um barreled uh a like koala bear kind of guy but he has just really weird five o'clock shadow and unsettling lips it's he's really (laughs) he really skeeves me out uh so i think barreled is probably not uh, getting voted off the island pretty soon. <laughs> Good lord, I just looked this up because I was curious, and there are 402 recruitable villagers in this game. That is a lot. That's a lot. And considering you can only have 10 on your island... Man. There's a, that means there's a very good chance that you and all of your friends will have, like, unique sets, basically. There's a. This is reminding me of a meme that I saw uh, about Animal Crossing. That's something along the lines of, you know, Animal Crossing players are like, uh, and then the quote is something like, uh, "I hate Bill Wibley. Uh, he's a total asshole. He uh, he burned my crops and and killed my family. I want him gone right now." And and then it's a picture of Bill Wibley, and it's like a a pink bunny rabbit with a heart. Yeah. (laughs) I just absolutely love seeing everyone's like least favorite villagers because you know more often than not they're like you know they're just a little bit ugly. They're not horrifying like the Easter Bunny. I mean, sorry, Zipper the rabbit or whatever. (laughs) But um, my personal least favorite is somebody I did not handpick to come to my island. I actually mistakenly put a plot down before I went to bed, not realizing that when I woke up the next morning, it would already be sold. Um, and it turned out to be somebody that I accidentally stole from a friend's island. Oh. Um, because this friend of mine didn't want him on their island. So they basically ignored them. And then when a spot opened up on my island, I guess the villager was like, all right, peace. Um, and so I've been yelling at my friend ever since then to take him back. Which uh, which villager is it? That's hilarious. Oh, um, is a squirrel named Agent S. Oh, Agent S is so funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of waiting to see if I I need to bully him out, but he just he just kind of doesn't fit in with the rest of my villagers. Um, but he seems funny. And I walked into his room, and it, sure enough, it's like a super spy hideout. So I've just been telling people that there's a spy living in my mountains. <laughs> Absolutely love this. Yeah, the the game also, I think, beyond the huge variety of characters that you can have on your island, then it really does have just the 
biggest selection of both items and customization and that and you can put furniture outside which was new in pocket camp and it's learned that from from that game um you can change so many things about the exterior of your island um and having that control is really fun and i think visiting other friends islands you can really see then people's personalities reflected in their game in a way that was totally not possible in previous ones uh where you know my villagers all live on a very rigid grid system uh it is perfectly Hmm. aligned they get a very small side lot for an item or two um (laughs) uh there's the there's one row with all the shops that's uh by the beach um and then like that everything is really like planned out overly so probably um and then like Shane your island is much more like freeform uh and there's Keyfreef has uh things like kind of just spread around in a way that is more true to the original Animal Crossing games but uh like you can tell like what people are trying to get out of the game in a way that's really kind of satisfying to see uh represented in this way I just wanted all the villages on their side and me on my side. <laughs> <laughs> I do really appreciate that as well because that you're correct. Like it's so open that you can really make Animal Crossing what you want it to be, basically. And I think that's a huge, a huge draw to it, especially in times like this, uh, where you can just kind of do whatever you want because you can't do whatever you want out there right now. (laughs) Yeah. And it's really nice being able to visit other people's islands and seeing, you know, islands that are super well organized and thought out and islands that are kind of more loosey-goosey, islands that are very clearly, you know, specifically for flower hybrids and islands that are (laughs) for fruit tree orchards and stuff like that. And I I really like seeing that. And I really like seeing how my friends decorate their houses and the kinds of villagers they have. It's great. Yeah, the, the, um, like, the intense theming that some people will go through. And people have done this in previous games. You couldn't uh, put furniture outside, but you could drop the little, the tiny pixelated uh, designs you could do. You could drop those on the ground as tiles. Um, and people would make elaborate towns out of that and spend hours and hours making wow. like uh, a, something where there would be like kind of a narrative to their town in a way that was like blew my mind uh, in how much effort it would require. <laughs> but mm-hmm. um, and it was really constrained. And I think this just opens it up to a degree where it's really an improvement that's like each of the other games I think has built on the other one a little bit like a gradual iteration. This really feels like kind of reinventing the game um, where it just feels like everything has moved a lot farther forward. Um, And not to mention that the graphics are like actually good for the first (laughs) time ever in Animal Crossing. Um, (laughs) And that is a revelation to see like some of these characters drawn in a way that's not extremely rudimentary or on like a 240p screen on the DS or whatever, like (laughs) Mm -hmm. that you're actually getting a much clearer view into this world. And that makes customizing things 
way more fun. Um, I have been theming my house heavily as a tiki bar. Um, oh, nice. And then... Uh, that is so cute. Uh, I posted uh, some pic- I posted some screenshots in the yeah. Discord. Uh, I'm looking and, at it now and yeah. I love it. <laughs> uh, which was very fun to make. Um, but it's something where, like... You know, that would be a lot less fun where everything is like a few pixels tall. <laughs> like the fish <laughs> actually look kind of like the real fish. Uh, they can do more details and it's just, I don't know. I mean, graphics improving on games is not anything new, uh, but for Animal Crossing, this is the first time I think it's really had a huge leap. So yeah, they're, they're also really iterating the gameplay. They're, they've added this whole uh, crafting layer into the game that's never been there before that incentivizes collecting resources and uh, finding recipes and using those recipes to make things. And it gives you uh, a way to be much more directed about how you collect things. Whereas it used to just be, you know, check the store every day and hope that you eventually gather all the items in the set that you want. Uh, Now, in a lot of cases, you can get all the recipes and and build those items yourself. Uh, And it gives you kind of new avenues for gameplay. And it's, it's something that that's been, I was very skeptical of the crafting coming into the game but it's actually really fun um and i like the mechanic it introduces um probably my only complaint about it is making things like bait uh in that oh my I have, gosh yeah it's like i have to yeah. say build each individual one where it's like yep. make 20 just please let me let me say make yep. 20 i have the materials um mm-hmm. but beyond that i it's really fun uh and charming and is it practical that I know how to build a working television and not a larger table? Uh, no, it's not. <laughs> no, uh, but uh, oh it's still really fun to have and like nothing in the game totally makes sense. And it's some of those ridiculous things are what makes it charming and delightful and draws people in. Yeah. Agreed. And, I mean, this, this does, the crafting element does add something new that... Um, I think some people are seeing as a little bit problematic to the game, um, which, you know, this is a game for kids. And so to, to read any, to read much into it, uh, isn't necessarily, uh, where I want to be like the kind of review I want to be doing of a game, but, um, the idea of these, uh, Nook Miles tickets where you go to these unspoiled, beautiful (laughs) islands that have never, that are untouched by man. Uh, and then just absolutely, totally deforest them in, in, in search of resources, <laughs> yeah. shattering every rock, digging up every tree, uh, and then like uh, catching thousands upon thousands of tarantulas. Hmm. Uh, that it's... is a little bit odd if you really look a little under the surface, but uh, so is literally everything else. Tom Nook has always been a little bit of a problematic figure, and they kind of wink at that a little bit now. Um <laughs> uh, yeah, the game is I I it's something where it's the game has always been very uh consumerist and that you're trying to get more stuff uh, <laughs> and get a bigger house yep. and decorate it fancier and nicer. Um and you know, uh uh now they really built in, you know, it's colonization the game, but it's, <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it's always had this odd yeah. uh undertone of like wage slavery like is tom nook the uh the capitalist oppressor you know if you want to read Mm -hmm. things into the uh, animal crossing narrative you absolutely can and that has definitely seems to have only increased with this game 
I, I think Tom Nook is the best capitalist I've ever seen. He charges no interest on your home loan whatsoever. Um, and yet he Paid pays you whenever you want on your deposits yeah. in his bank. So uh, I would like Tom Nook to refinance my house. <laughs> <laughs> it's also with a fake currency that he invented, which is, and he kind of kidnapped you to an island. So that's also weird. <laughs> but, you know, at the same time, uh, everything but you're is loving like, it now. Yeah, it's a... Uh, Everything is so low stakes in it that uh, I think it all works. Um, also, Shane, you mentioned the Nook Miles. Um, and yes. that's something which I think was really an interesting addition that they've kind of explicitly talked about how the game wanted to learn from uh, Pocket Camp since that brought in a lot of people like you, Anna, who had never played Animal Crossing before. Um, yeah. And making it where, you know, if you went from that to one of the previous games, there's overlap, but there wouldn't be a whole lot that's too familiar besides the characters. And so trying to introduce some uh, of the same mechanic of their daily goals, um, that's really good. And I think it does when they say you have to catch this specific low value bug. Otherwise I would every time pass it up because I have no interest in catching it because it's not, right. it's a common butterfly or whatever. Or a sea bass. <laughs> yeah, um, but... More like a C plus. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's something which makes these other... It can make tasks that otherwise you wouldn't value as much. Um, it can place new importance on them in a way which I think is actually really great. Uh, and I'm surprised at how much I like that addition. I have been really into putting a stereo in each of the rooms in my house and picking a specific song to play. Um, for example, I have like a kitchen little room. So like I use KK Ragtime for that one um, because it's got kind of like, it almost reminds me of like Cooking Mama where it's like a cute, <laughs> cutesy piano music. And then I have, um, I forget what's playing in my main room, but it's just sort of like a feel good thing. And my favorite thing about the music here in this game so far has been finding your villagers singing in the plaza randomly. Mm -hmm. And if you play a song on like a nearby stereo, they start singing that particular song. Which, oh, I didn't know that. That it's like, that it's so, so cute. It is so cute. Aww. And every time I see a villager singing in my plaza, I will play a song for them and it becomes karaoke day. And who doesn't love that? Absolutely. The music in this game always slaps because <laughs> Absolutely. The, the wonderful thing about these games is they all, they've always historically, I think even since the beginning one, had big soundtracks with lots of tracks because they would have one track per hour and they run the, the, they run the whole game on like a 24 hour clock. So, uh, and in the later games, they've gotten even more extreme with it, where they'll have like a version of the track that plays when it's raining and a version yep. of the track that plays when it's sunny and stuff. So, mm -hmm. um, but at first in this game, you, you just get the same track playing all the time. And right around the time you're starting to get tired of it, they unlock this sort of overall island soundtrack uh, that plays different songs every hour, which really neat. Just a really, really good music. KK is is a apparently KK Slider the character is a built is based on the guy that did the music for the original oh, Animal that's Crossing. Actually, oh, really cute. Cute. And yeah, like so so he like they, they put him in the game and has become uh, you know if it's not Isabel KK Slider really is probably the face of Animal Crossing that people love the most. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And 
that is just a reflection of how much people love the music for the game. Yeah. I think I knew KK Slider before I even knew what Animal Crossing was. <laughs> like I've just seen that that guy so so many times everywhere. <laughs> I think I think that's probably in large part due to the fact that his name is fun to say. Like it's a yeah. fun name to say. KK Slider. Yeah. <laughs> and he's got those just killer eyebrows. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, but yeah, the music, like all of the Animal Crossing games, is really good. Um, I personally was getting a little tired of the intro track uh, before unlocking the hourly music. Um, I think mm-hmm. it's maybe one day faster would be really great. But um, no, the the music is so well done and really great to listen to. In my house, um, in the Tiki Bar, uh, then I'm playing KK Island. There's a KK Surfin as well, which Ooh, might work. I'll have to get that. I know there's a KK Aloha somewhere, so I'm oh. waiting for that one. <laughs> <laughs> This is yet another example of like how I think they nail collecting. I, in real life, collect records. And so in the game, of course, I want to collect all the records. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they have an interface with like album art for them. I don't think they've ever done that before, which is absolutely just bananas. Wonderful. You can hang your favorite albums on the wall. Yes. So yep. KK Country is a real bop. KK Country. Oh, my goodness. I just looked it up, and uh, there is a uh, Animal Crossing New Horizons OST that someone has, I presume, ripped and posted to YouTube, uh, and it is 139 tracks. Yep. It's, uh, before I had unlocked the hourly music, I put some of that on while I was working a week or so ago, and honestly, great music to work to. Um, It's just very relaxing. Relaxing, yeah. It's, so a lot of them have a real groove to them. Uh, No, it's... I think uh, just there's always one or two tracks out of the the bunch that it's like this one isn't isn't my jam and I have to listen to it for an hour. But uh, so that's kind of a bummer. But even then, it's mostly just like, eh, that instrument that they chose, not my favorite. But I think the overall like quality and hit rate of it is amazing. Well, thanks for coming on the short game and talking about this really wonderful and timely and relaxing and beautiful game. Uh, It's really terrific to be able to share it with you guys and with our listeners. And thanks to everybody on the Discord who basically insisted that we uh we cover this so i uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad that it happened I, I mean even though i'm not playing it probably my favorite thing that's been going on on the discord right now has been watching people share things that are happening on their islands in our animal crossing channel and so i don't know i, I even even if you're not playing animal crossing this has been a fun little thing to look at on the internet that hasn't been the news lately so you know Thank you to Nintendo for that. Very much so. And along the lines of things that are like this game making us happy, we have a little tradition on the show where at the end we like to discuss things that are making us happy this week. Um, So since Anna is on for the first time, I will not make her go first. (laughs) So Reagan, I'll ask you to go first. What's making you happy this week? I'll I'll keep this real short because it's actually kind of a reprise, uh, but I wanted to let people know that uh, that the the show High Score Girl uh, on Netflix, the uh, anime about a uh, it's a kind of a coming of age story that's happening uh, around and in the arcade video game scene of the early '90s, which is wonderful. 
to watch. Uh, lots and lots of uh, of uh, licensed video games. Uh, you know, they basically they tell the story of this. Uh, the relationship between this little boy and and this girl who are across between like elementary school and high school um, at, and sort of competing with each other at various like mostly fighting games uh, over that that time um, it's a little bit of a romance but mostly just sort of a friendship story anyway I can't recommend it enough uh, I talked about it once at some point but uh, I wanted to let people know that it is coming back for season two happening uh, as of the ninth. So I'm rewatching season one right now and finding it just as cute and fun uh, as I did before. And also finding that it makes me want to get good at fighting games in just the same way that it did <laughs> when I watched it the first time. So if you're not oh, allergic so to anime, it's one of the best things on Netflix right now. I really, really recommend okay. it. It's, it's just a great little story. The main character is just a, a, a terrible little, like, troll but he's also really warm and sweet um and the uh the whole thing is just really really well done and every scene will make you wonder how much time and work did it take to get buy-in from every single company who released video games in the 1990s to feature their hardware software characters etc constantly throughout this thing it's it's really something so uh, highly recommend checking that out and uh the second season is coming out in a few days and i'm very very excited about it that's awesome and it's really interesting that they were able to get like the actual characters and like uh ip for to be able to use that oh yeah and across tons of different companies too yeah. so like you know the the main character he's obsessed with the pc engine and they're constantly comparing that to uh, you know he's constantly talking up the pc engine and denigrating the uh the the super famicom and i'm like nintendo <laughs> let them use the super famicom its likeness its logo a bunch of its characters and games in this anime only to have the main character constantly shitting on it like i'm so wow. surprised that they let is that the netflix money rolling I, in or what? i don't know how they manage this i know that um apparently this is based on a, a manga and apparently all of this appeared in the manga first so i think maybe some of these deals were already ironed out at that stage but even there i'm like how did they swing this it's 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 really wild and they do a great job of tying in um, uh, like tying in video game stuff to uh, character and storytelling beats in interesting ways. I think I told this anecdote the last time I talked about this on the show, but the uh, the one that sticked out sticks out the most is that there's a character that really wants to get closer with the main character. Uh, so this little girl really wants him to come over to her house. Um, because she's into him. She's not that into video games, but she's mostly just into video games because she's into him. And um, so she gets, she knows he likes the game Final Fight. And so he, she gets the game Final Fight for the Super uh, NES because she wants him to come over and, uh, and play it with her. And he, she tells him about it. And then he's like, oh, that's awesome. Will you let me borrow it? <laughs> and then she finds out that Super that the Super Famicom version of Final Fight was one player only, and it's like they, it, you can't play that one co-op. And it's like if you know that in advance, you you already have this sort of like, uh, like impending doom moment where like, oh no, honey, honey, no, you can only <laughs> play that one player. I'm so sorry. Um, it it's they do a really great job of sort of tying the video game stuff and the sort of slow trickle of it because the, the show, the first season goes from, you know, elementary school all the way into high school for these characters. Uh, the slow trickle of new stuff happening all the time, it kind of sets it in a place 
for me at least, where I remember a lot of these things happening. So it's really neat. Anyway, I'm talking too much. Uh, Mark, what's making you happy this week? Um, yeah, uh, for me, uh, I've really been enjoying the reality show Lego Masters, um, which is a competition of uh, then teams of Lego builders uh, in various challenges. Uh, and the show, uh, I, I, you know, as you do, you know, you see a new show pop up on your streaming service and you think, I guess I'll give it a shot. I did not have high expectations. Um, Even though I love Lego, I thought it might be pretty cool, but this thing has a shockingly high production value, a huge budget, it seems, from the Lego Corporation. The judges are Lego employees. Uh, Will Arnett is the host. (laughs) They they have uh, celebrity cameos that have been pretty like fun and the builds and challenges they have are just really amazing to see. Uh, They have some really talented uh, competitors. And so I've gotten really into that. uh, The, I think second to last episode of the season came out this past week. um, And I still have to watch that, but um, it's all available on Hulu. Um, uh, so if you have that, definitely check out Lego Masters. Uh, it is surprisingly good. I love how probably all of our what's making us happy this week uh, things this week are going to be indoor kids stuff because, you know, we can't leave. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to switch that up. Oh, good. Um, because what's making me happy this week is kind of more of like a general idea. Um I've been really loving seeing people supporting their local businesses mm-hmm. um, through these difficult times. And I say that because I work for a small business. And uh, this week we got tons and tons of online orders for merchandise um, from places that are not even, you know, local, which is great. And it's really making my heart warm and happy and fuzzy inside um so if you're if you're interested and i I swear i wasn't paid to say this (laughs) um you can check out coral sword at coralsword.com and our shop is coralsword.com slash shop you've got plenty of cute nerdy merchandise um just you know outside of being a cool coffee shop so that's what's making me happy yeah i I have to say, uh, Anna has done an awesome job with the merch for Coral Sword. I pretty much live in my Coral Sword hat. Uh, Their logo is rad. Um, The t-shirts are really fun. Uh, I'm really crazy about this one that has a sword with um, kind of hearts wrapped around it that they did around Valentine's Day. And there's a new one with like sort of a coat of arms on it that's a limited edition uh, and all Free the profits from that only. one, I think, are yes. Mm-hmm. And I think that's all the profits from that one are going to help the staff uh, while uh, people are all shut in and, and buying less coffee. So um, if you are a Houstonian like me, you can also just drop by there and, and pick up uh, coffee or, or growlers of beer to go. And I totally recommend doing so because it's a great place. Let me talk about what's making me happy this week. Uh, but it's I almost don't want to share it. But it is really making me happy this week, even though, like, I don't know. This, so I'll give a content warning here. This is the thing that's making me happy this week is a a book that's kind of 
in the historical fiction, kind of in the true crime genre. Um, and so there's murders in it, and, and it show and it takes place during the Troubles in Northern Ireland, and really gives you an idea in some of the chapters of what it's like to live through this kind of warlike atmosphere, uh, which you would not think this is the kind of thing that would help, you know, <laughs> ease my mind in a time like this, but it actually is in a way because it, it shows me like, you know, there are could be worse. universalities that are happening here. <laughs> could be worse, I could get shot, right? Uh, but the book is called Say Nothing, A True Story of Murder and Memory in Northern Ireland. Um, and uh, it's written by a uh, historian and reporter, uh, Patrick Raiden o- uh, Patrick Raiden Keefe. This is a super, super good book if you have any interest in true crime as a genre or uh, Irish history. Um, it tells its story in such an involving way, where this, uh, you know, these seek. All these different characters from different sides of the conflict, their story is told in a way that kind of winds together into this single narrative. And it's all based around this one disappearance. In December of 1972, a woman named Jean McConville, who was a 38-year-old mother of 10, is dragged from her Belfast apartment by masked intruders and never seen again uh, alive and everyone family neighbors all know that the IRA is responsible for this but this is at the height of the troubles and they didn't even open a murder investigation uh for this she she just disappeared and no one knew what happened to her or why she was taken uh or ultimately what became of her um until many many years later uh well after the end of all the conflict and a peace accord and so on. And through interviews and the stories of her children and what became of them and people on all different sides of the conflict, um, it takes this one story and makes it um, just kind of a a way into the overall broader conflict. And some of the characters you see in this are, have truly amazing stories. Like there's this uh, IRA terrorist named uh, Dolores Price, who um, was arrested in Britain after attempting uh, to, well, after a bombing that she participated in. And uh, her story um, just rocked the media uh, when she and her sister went on a hunger strike in in British prisons. And that story is incredibly dramatic on its own, but ties in in shocking ways to the murder of Jean McConville. So... Um, this is a really, really good book for people who are looking for that, uh, for something that's going to get your mind off of what's going on right now, uh, but also maybe give you that, um, that thing that I think a lot of us do look for in true crime, which is, uh, a, a story that's going to, uh, shake you up a little bit and, and maybe, um, maybe provide you with that, that kind of different perspective and, and a bit of mystery and uh, this one has this added element of really interesting history along with it. So I, I can't recommend it highly enough. That sounds awesome, Shane. And uh, thanks to our guests. We have guests so rarely on this podcast. We ought to do it more. I really enjoy it every single time. Uh, Mark, thank you again for, for being a returning guest. 
And uh, Anna, thank you so much for, for coming on the show for the very first time. We hope we can have you on again another time. You can find our show on the internet at www.theshortgame.net, where you'll find a contact form. That's a good way to get in touch with us. Let us know what you're playing, what you think would be good for the show. Uh, you can also find all our back catalog of episodes there. Uh, don't forget, you can go to the uh, the show notes page and search and see everything we've ever done there. Great place, great great tip if you uh, if you don't want to scroll through 200 some odd episodes. Um, and uh, you can of course find us on Patreon if you go to Patreon.com slash the short game or go to our show page and click the patreon link that'll take you there uh every supporter at a dollar a month or more gets immediate access to our discord discord is where we talk about the show we talk about the games we're playing we talk about animal crossing we share our dodo codes there so uh join us there if you want in and uh, we'd love to see you uh you can also find us on twitter that's at underscore short game uh, or you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Reagan K. Uh, Shane, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at 8BitShane. And uh, Mark, where can people find you? Uh, I'm on Twitter at MC Bramhill. Anna, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter or Instagram at Nanapai. That's N-A-N-N-A-P-A-I. Awesome. And thank you all so much for listening to The Short Game.